0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another show. The Tech Recruitment Show is back. And for those eager fans out there, they will know that there is a slightly different host this week. It is not our usual host, Darren. Darren is currently taking a much deserved holiday. So I'm substituting him for him this week. And I have got very, very lucky because, boy, oh, boy, we have a mega guest. But we'll get to that. For those of you that haven't listened to us before, welcome. The Tech Recruitment Show does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a podcast to talk through all things recruitment. We cover topics from employer branding to direct sourcing, candidate experience, diversity and inclusion, and so much more. And we want to hear your feedback. So if you like what we're doing, please give us a review in your favourite podcast app of choice. There are many out there. We are on all of them and spread the word within the world Of recruitment. And that's enough of that. Let's get to today's guest. So today we are joined by Zach Blue. Zach is the Global Brand Partnerships Manager at Employment Brands at Facebook. And Zach is joining us from the West Coast of the US, which it's nice and early where he is. And I'm incredibly grateful that he's taken the time to join us today. So Zach, welcome to the podcast.
1: Mark, thank you so much for having me. I'm an early bird, so this, this time is perfect.
0: Fantastic. So, Zach, let's dive straight in. I think it would be amazing if you could give the listeners a bit of a background on you. Who are you? Uh, you know, what, what have you been up to in life? And, and how did you end up at the world of Facebook?
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, let's see. So I, I currently live in Sausalito, California. Um, I was born and raised on the East Coast in South Carolina, small town. I'm, I mean, I'm a Southern gent at heart. And I went to school, I went to a small private school in the mountains of North Carolina. And let's see. Yeah, at that time, um, I'm in my mid 30s now. But at that time, I thought I wanted to be Well, I was studying human services and sociology and thought I wanted to be a pastor or, you know, a counselor even. Um, We were talking earlier, Mark, just about music. I mean, I definitely consider myself a a creator, more of the creative brain. I was born into a family of musicians and um, I even looked into going into like theater at one point, you know, like um, was doing some like theater in college, but, I went from South Carolina to North Carolina. Then I lived in Chicago for a bit. This was in like the late 2000s. Um, I was a voiceover actor as well, just doing like some radio spots for um, subway restaurants and some commercials and water parks and hospitals. And I just had this like creative trajectory going for a while too. Um, But it was about 10 years ago that I got into digital marketing and like always tried to find this balance of like creative, but you know, got into digital marketing, lead generation, pay-per-click advertising. I started like developing some websites and SEO. You mentioned at the top of the call, like vendor management. I, I started in account management and got, um, you know, I was doing like uh, branding for some mid-market size franchises like Miracle Ear, which is, which is like a hearing aid company. Um, over here in the States, I think they are global. Um, some I was working for some like blue collar uh, companies as well, m- uh, moving companies like Mako, Meineke, two men in a truck. So I started like, you know, really doing this like digital marketing piece. And then when I moved to, I moved to the Bay area in 2015, I actually had a best friend that was working out here and she was at a company called Glassdoor. Uh, So I moved in 2015. I applied for a role out here doing account management and sales. And as we all know, Glassdoor, you know, sort of wrote the book on employer branding. Um, So um, I started, you know, really... Honing in on helping enterprise tech companies, you know, manage their online reputation as an employer, um, how to engage with employees. So I know that was kind of a long-winded answer to your question about my career journey. But it started in just like very creative, you know, digital marketing. I'm I'm a creator at heart, but then it met, you know really morphed into a passion. It kind of found me this whole um, employer branding. And, you know, lead generation under a people organization is, and talent acquisition is really, it's very similar to lead generation instead of like being B2B or B2C. um, I like to say that we're, you know, B2T, business to talent. We're really trying to just attract talent here at Facebook and help them uh, consider a thriving career here, help them consider just, you know, growing uh, their passions and finding out how their passions align with, uh, you know, some of the work and technologies that our teams are building here. And that's, you know, in a nutshell, how I, I started in digital marketing and, and ended up in creative and ended up in, you know, the human side of marketing, which is people, which is more, I would say, marketing to people and marketing to, you know, prospect candidates that are considering a, a career here at Facebook.
0: Love it brilliant brilliant intro and I'm now a little bit more nervous because I'm now speaking to a professional voiceover artist or former professional voiceover (laughs) artist so now I'm going to be worried that I'm going to be slightly judged on my my ability to host a podcast but let's see how we get on but
1: no no um... no no. Mark you have a great voice you you you've cut it you have you actually have a voice that's very approachable and kind and like you know I mean we all have our like business persona and business voice right but yours is is very warm and very very welcoming and i'm not judging you know you know i'll still do some spots for i'll do a couple for facebook here and there and and you know previous employers but i tell you man like once we get these nine to fives it's just it's hard to (laughs) i mean voiceover clients you know like they want to record the same day they're like here's the script and we want it recorded in two hours later and it's like sometimes it's just hard to hop off of a call with uh, Mark, the CEO from Hack a Job, and and do a voiceover. So um, it's, I found a, I found a happy medium.
0: <laughs> ah, it's, it's amazing, Zach. I love it, and, and very kind of you to say as well. But um, but but let's dive into this in into this sort of background, Zach. So you know, the world of internal recruitment has grown, you know, tremendously, probably over the last decade or so, and it's you know started with a lot of recruitment professionals, you know, in the in the function, you know, leading time acquisition. Maybe they had come from a an agency background before, et cetera. And it's really exploded. And and it's super interesting to hear you that's come from that sort of creative marketing side to now go into a, a talent acquisition function, obviously via Glassdoor. What do you do on a day-to-day? What does it look like on a day-to-day at Facebook when, you know, from, a, from an employment brand perspective at the company?
1: Okay. I love that you asked this and I feel like I just need to preface and say that I, I want to preface this question with what my day looks like question with just a little bit more color on how i i think i found you know the spot in recruitment marketing first i watched my dad like hate his job for 25 years he passed four years ago but right before he passed you know he encouraged me to really move across country take a risk you know landed this incredible job um and i think I learned, you know, that experience I learned by doing that. It's like, um, I've always been very keen to have a a job at a company that I love, you know, to work for a company that has a solar mission that uh, helps. And I also wanted to just help others find a job that they love too. I mean, if you think about it, we spend a third of our lives working, right? We spend a third of our lives sleeping. So it's like, Um, A good career is like a good mattress, you know, like you have to have a good mattress, you have to have a great career that you uh, thrive at that is growing your passions that is um, that you're connected to, Um, and especially our younger generations, they want to know that they're working for a company that is, you know, mission driven, that aligns to their, you know, loves and all that stuff. So I just wanted to, you know, preface that and just say I I think that's another piece of how I entered into this space. But what does so good question? What does it look like on a day-to-day in recruitment, marketing and branding? So on the vendor management side, I really I love this job because no two days are alike. I could, you know, I spend my morning like everyone else, just, you know, kind of uh, planning the day, cleaning up the e- email inbox, but um, it's vendor management. So there's a cycle, right? There's a cycle of understanding what is out there in the landscape of what vendors can offer us to help us, you know, achieve some of these very lofty hiring goals. I mean, we we have a company goal to be. diverse by 2024. Um, We're always trying to increase diversity at the top of leadership. Um, We're trying to grow to, you know, hundreds of thousands of of employees over the next several years. We're currently at 52,000. So really holding our vendors to, you know, helping us achieve those lofty goals. But I would say, you know, a typical day for me looks like, um, I mean, it's QBR season now. So we are um, really h- bringing the magnifying glass to our vendors, looking at all suite of products um, that we're, we're leveraging to ensure that, you know, we're getting the type of candidates, we're getting the type of reach and awareness that we set on to achieve, you know, when we launch those partnerships. Um, I meet internally with our employer brand managers. So we have a Uh, We're very fortunate to just have copywriters, to have creative services in-house, to have brand managers that are dedicated to a pipeline and a region, ads campaign managers that are measuring all of the, you know, ads that we push out to promote Facebook as an employer of choice. Um, So I spend my time, about 50% with those folks that I just mentioned of, you know, of strategizing of really looking back at the work that we've executed um, comparing it to benchmarks and all of that good stuff and reporting to our leadership right they want to know what's happening on the landscape with all of the recruitment marketing vendors so 50 percent of my time is spent with them and the other 50 percent, i would say is spent
0: with our vendors love it awesome and just to touch back on that you know story of what took you into into you know recruitment marketing and, and fundamentally how can people find a job i mean that that saying you've just mentioned there, good careers, you know, as important as a good mattress. So I love. I am going to use that, and and I think <laughs> what you said is so true, right? The and it's regularly what I tell our team internally that the impact we have as people that work in, you know, employment, talent branding, talent attraction, is huge because getting a job is one of the most important decisions you take. You know, like you said, you spend a third of your your uh, life at, at work so it's really important that you're working somewhere where you feel connected and, and I love that that segue that you've made into into this crazy world of employer brand it's just exploding more and more um, and, and grateful for the listeners to get some context on on what that day-to-day looks like if we dive into it in a little bit more detail I know something that you you're quite passionate about or talk a lot about is sort of employer branding versus employee branding. Talk us through your thoughts on that. How does that work in your mind and in kind of your model?
1: Yes, I love that question. So I think there's a shift happening right now where you have teams that are focused on employer brand, right? It's an emerging team. It's an emerging trend where more and more companies are seeing the importance of having a marketing team that is marketing to candidates, right, that report to recruiting. Some of them report to marketing. Um, At Facebook, we sit under the recruiting organization. I think that makes it quite efficient because we're able to work directly with our recruiting partners to determine, like, the needs and the hiring needs and, you know, what our critical uh, hiring goals are for the half or the year. So it's very like, you know, focused on the employer, right? We're, we're trying to constantly measure. We're trying to constantly evaluate our, our proposition to candidates. And I mean, the, the, a company's employer brand, um, it really lives and breathes in the minds and hearts of your former, current, and future employees. So it's almost like you have to consider all three of those populations. What are your former employees, you know, saying about you? Um, at the dinner table, on glass door, on blind. What are current employees saying? You know, on blind. It's it's just having that visibility, of and, and the right insight into like what are folks saying about us that and that ultimately impacts your, you know, reputation. And in today's increasingly competitive job market, we're seeing that a positive employer brand is is critical. It's not necessarily going to be you know positive across all candidate audiences, right? You know, there are some folks that are going to opt out of your company by whatever they may hear in the press, but then there's folks, you know, et cetera. They may have the various reasons, but hiring and retaining the best employees. I mean, it's a challenge. It's costly. So we have to just make sure that like as many avenues as possible that were, you know, positioning Facebook, the opportunity to grow here and really understanding you know what makes employees come alive here and leading with that story i mean i think there's that age-old adage mark i know you know it it's like people believe people and not brands so like in the past you might have had employer branding Be centered on like the company narrative. Here's our mission. Here's our values. Here's us, us, us. And all of this messaging is coming from like the LinkedIn channel and it's coming from a company's Facebook page and it's branded and it's beautiful and it's all packaged together. But I think what we're seeing happen now is a shift from this like employer brand focus to employee brand. The adage is, is people believe people and not brands, right? So I I think that's kind of true. Like you're going to get, that's why the review culture is like taken off, you know, with Yelp and Glassdoor and some of these other review sites, people want the honest opinion and inside look. And so if, I mean, we're focused on that now at Facebook of really seeing what we can do to turn our employees into word of mouth ambassadors, helping them brand themselves to be advocates of Facebook and working here, helping them like just giving them the tools to like, you know, easily tell their story and influence their networks with some of, you know, the work they're doing Um, and putting that microphone and all of the branding and all of, you know, I would say the equal amount of time that we're spending, you know, on employer brand into our employees to help us, you know, tell that story of Facebook as a choice employer.
0: Yeah. I love that. And yeah, we're gonna obviously get on to COVID-19 and, and that you know what that's caused this year later on in this episode but I think authenticity is now more important than ever right and I think that shift from employer branding and businesses putting out their values online or you know the the cliche of an you know an enterprise having their values on the wall but what actually's lived in a day-to-day that shift of moving your employers or employees to become advocates for Facebook and sharing that within their networks is is incredibly powerful. How are you going about mobilizing your your internal workforce? Because I think one of the criticisms of the online review culture is you're much more incentivized to give a negative review than you are a positive review. There's numerous studies done on it. So how are you guys engaging with your workforce, mobilizing your workforce to really help them tell their stories at Facebook?
1: Yeah, great question. We do what many other enterprise tech companies and small businesses even do. We will run like internal engagement campaigns, requesting folks, you know, leave a review on Glassdoor. We're trying to just promote that authenticity that you mentioned, you know, we recognize that, you know, there are sites like LinkedIn and, and Glassdoor that are truly key touch points in our candidate's journey. And if we can get more, you know, folks being transparent about their work experience, what's working and what isn't, you know, we we pay attention to that. Um, I even think of Uber. I have a friend, Andrew Levy, who used to work, um, do employment brand at Uber. And he, um, he was able to like build an EVP for Uber directly from Glassdoor reviews. So it's just like, I know. So cool. I mean, they looked at like the positive and negative themes that were coming from the reviews, which, you know, folks are transparent online. We just want to encourage that, you know, uh, they continue to be transparent and, you know, leverage them and leave those reviews to just continue to tell that story. And the more reviews we get, the more data we get, the more we understand what's working and what isn't. So um, I think that's one piece is employee engagement, Uh, you know, requesting reviews at certain times, you know, from employees, having managers ask one-on-one. Um, you have ambassadors like maybe in recruiting or just, you know, social ambassadors already that, you know, are willing to reach out to their employees in their networks to leave reviews. So that's one thing that we're doing from an advocacy standpoint. I, th- I mean, people are strapped for time. So we're working on developing a framework, almost like a menu, Right. For employee advocacy, folks are going to approach it very different. If you're a director, you're probably going to want to be more of a thought leader. Like, how do I be a thought leader? How do I write a blog on LinkedIn that's going to go viral? So it's identifying folks in the organization that may already be sort of like at that status and extracting best practices. You know, they're offering interview tips. They're offering help to folks. When folks were furloughed or laid off, you know, they're offering to refer You know, they're using broad and very specific hashtags to help, you know, drive and increase the visibility of their content so that it becomes trending. So it's like, it's coming to the business with this framework. If you want to be an influencer, here are some of the tips that you can do to do that. If you want to just get started, like maybe you want to share a couple pieces of content a week, it's giving them our employees access to that content. Um, We use a tool called Everyone Social to do that but it's a content bank and it helps them choose and syndicate Uh, it's it collects all the content that's out there positive press news content that our employer brand team creates and it's just easy access for folks to share to their personal and professional networks. so i think it's you know providing that technology providing that easy access to some of this like great storytelling content that they can easily share to their networks and then some folks are like i want the like Easiest, lowest lift as possible. So you know we're teaching them how to like schedule a post, or you know maybe engage in this once a week. But we are quite a data-driven organization, so we're always trying to bring back the positive like outcomes of what their social sharing drives. You know, so it's it's something crazy. Like a smaller group of Facebook employees had a reach of almost two million in their networks, reach of 2 million candidates, Uh, Facebook on our company page, we have about just over 6 million followers. So I think if you come to your business, whether you're small or large, and you're able to say, hey, as a collective unit, the group of us, the employees, our voices together, we have a reach, you know, that can be one third of what the company's reaches. Maybe it's bigger than that, but there's ways to back into this to show the reach and to show the value of employee advocacy. And that's one way we're thinking about it at Facebook. Hope that gives you some insight there.
0: Yeah, I love it because you've got every end of the spectrum, right? Those people that want to build that personal brand. And you've seen, you know, at least in our world, LinkedIn has become a tremendous platform over the last couple of years in terms of building that brand and building that exposure. Um, but I'm sure for different audiences, there are other platforms out there. Right the way to that, just really frictionless experience for those that maybe aren't as interested in as an employer brand, but you maybe you know, incentivized or gamified the way to get them engaged for a you know, piece of technology fundamentally to make it really frictionless and really easy. It's amazing to see the full spectrum that that you've managed to cater for. And, and you touched on it there and, and and you kind of mentioned earlier, you were, you're very fortunate at Facebook that you've got a big team, you know, you've got dedicated copywriters, et cetera. What about smaller organizations? What, what can they do? Maybe they've not got as much resource, but how can they go about, I don't know, defining their EVP or building out their employee proposition um, or their employer brand versus employee brand? What, what, what do you think they can do or what are some of the tactics that you've seen work well at at smaller organizations?
1: Great question, Mark. And in your response, I was totally thinking of one thing that I just wanted to add back to that advocacy piece is you mentioned Something you said made me think about like what's in it for employees. And I think one thing is, is employee referrals. Like when they, when employees are sharing more often on their networks, naturally, they're going to see an uptick in folks reaching out to request a referral. So it's also, you know, that's a whole nother piece. Like for most companies, referrals can be like 30% of all hires that come in. So if you position advocacy as, Hey, this is a way to generate perception and also increase uh, referrals, I think that's one way that you can win too. But to your question on, uh, you know, I think it's about like, how do I create a successful employer brand strategy? Or if I don't have the resources, where can I get started? It's such a good question. And if you are a smaller but mighty employer brand team i know that you are doing the job of like eight people you have to be a program manager i know exactly how that is you have to wear many hats but i would just say i think there's a cycle when it comes to this it's it's understanding the need it's planning almost like you would plan a campaign for the year. So like getting this all on a calendar and it's then executing, you know, you've selected products, you've selected which vendors you might want to work with. Then there's like the execution phase and then there's the measurement. So I wanted to just break those down. Like... On the understanding phase, I would get with your recruiting leads to just really break it down to understand what is the need for hiring? Where are your gaps? What are the hardest to fill? When you understand the business need, that's going to help you really plan your campaigns. And I would think of your campaign planning and kind of like three areas like what's something that's always on that. It requires low lift from you. Maybe it's like display advertising. Maybe it's some sponsored content where you just have an annual ad budget. It doesn't have to be huge, but you have a series of ads on channels that are sort of always on. Like you don't have to worry about them. Um, You know that they're always taking care of uh, your message. This could be like the evergreen messages about your company and your value proposition of why your company is a special place to work. The second one is I would amplify what what are the things that you want to amplify and sort of promote throughout the year maybe quarterly you find you know a couple themes that are important things that are important to maybe they're timely so i'm thinking about like events that we know are always going to happen mother's day is always going to happen gay pride in june is always going to happen black history month in february will always happen so maybe you have these you know campaigns that are planned, but there's a few out of the year and they're, you know, tied to a certain holiday that we know is coming. Also under planning, you know, is this like, we can only plan so much, right? Sometimes there is an unexpected event. You might win an award. You have to be nimble and you need avenues in your toolkit that help you shout uh, some of these unplanned things. So I would have, you know, maybe a little bit of budget for that. Maybe you do a takeover on a site like the muse and you have an article that's run and syndicated to all users um, on a vendor's platform i would just think of you know having those three kind of like campaign approaches in your arsenal and once you've you know planned this out for the year there's definitely be you know execution piece and lean on your partners. Partners like Hack a Job, partners like LinkedIn and Gloucester, they're there to really make sure that you are getting the value. Don't be afraid in a good way to put them to work. They're going to know their communities best and they're going to really help you get the most of your investment. On the measurement side, vendors are huge in helping us understand what we received as a result of the engagement. So I would just uh, make sure that you have that measurement piece as uh, that, that's sort of all-encompassing. That's leading you. You're, you know, able to understand benchmarks. Like if you have these campaigns and these shouts that go out, how did they perform? How did they perform across your own content? Did they, how do they compare to previous content that you've run? How do they compare to industry? Um, how do they compare to your talent peers? You know, these are the types of questions you want to be asking. Um, so. It's kind of that life cycle of just like understanding the need, planning your campaigns throughout the year, executing with partners, and then measuring, tying it all back to uh, you know previous history, previous campaigns that you've run, and then all of a sudden in front of you, you have a developed life cycle of of a campaign that you've run, and then you again, we're in, <laughs> we're in here, we are wrapping up October, middle of October. It's all going to start again the next year, and so. Um, that's the life cycle that I you know, try to use. And, and I'm also trying to be a little bit more like vendor agnostic. I know I name dropped a couple, but I think it's just building that framework of always on having a few things that are planned um, and aligning those with things that we know are always going to be there like holidays or hiring sprints for you are for university recruiting, you know, there's always, you know, that's always gonna happen in the fall or at least it does for us here in NORAM. So I don't know, I felt like I was uh, a little bit rambly there, but hopefully that gave you some insight, you know, regardless of how sizable your team is uh, to help you sort of bolster your plan.
0: Yeah, I love it, Zach. And it's a, do you know what? A brilliant, brilliant framework. I think the understanding planning execution measure you know, I can see the flywheel in my head right now. It's, uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant model that I think if you're one employer branding person at a business or you're fortunate to have a team of 10 or 20 or 50 of you, I think it's a model that any business can go and apply. I, and I must just quickly pick your brain on on the measurement side um and i entirely agree with what you said by the way on leaning on vendors it's what we always ask of our clients is push us you know really make the most of this partnership because you know uh, great things can happen when when you do that but but just quickly on the measurement side how do you think about benchmarking your performance against peers and, and i know i mean not necessarily you yourself but facebook's performance on a particular channel against peers will you lean on the vendor a lot to provide that data and that insight do you have benchmarks internally that when you go into a campaign you're looking to achieve because i think the measurement especially in the employer branding piece is sometimes where people can struggle you know is it cost per hire that we should yes. be looking at is it building an audience on a Facebook or a LinkedIn. What 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 do you guys look at when it comes to that measurement piece?
1: I love this question mark. And so the answer there is so I definitely think lean on the vendor to understand what your how how you should be measuring yourself compared to industry and peers. The vendor provides that data. Otherwise, sometimes we sit in a QBR and we just have these metrics on a slide and it's like I mean, this looks great, but like, how does this compare? Like, what's the meaning behind it? So vendors can provide that industry level and peer level insights. I think over time, it's important for us to continue to A-B test, like campaigns and what's working, learnings, and then, you know, internally, we will create our own understanding, our own benchmarks around things like you know, click-through rate, engagement rate, cost per hire, cost per application. All of those things are very important to be measured. I'm of the philosophy, even from an employer brand perspective, most people are split on this, but folks are kind of like asking the question, do we exist for brand awareness or do we exist for driving leads and hires? And I think just look where you're sitting. You know, if you're reporting into recruiting, that means you're there to really ultimately drive hires. So I, I would consider cost per hire an important benchmark from the employer brand perspective. And this is just from knowing that in order to get things like more budget, in order for your directors to give you a seat at that table so you can ask for more budget, you have to have the measurements in place to show that your campaigns, that your spend, that your outreach, that your advocacy is resulting in a positive perception and ultimately landing either more candidates in the funnel, attracting more candidates in your key candidate audiences. And driving more hires, so it's it's quite simple to say. It's not it isn't that simple because sometimes you do need to ha- be out there and uh, just promoting the brand. There may be folks that in the middle of where we're about to open a new data center that aren't aware of Facebook opportunities in their market. So you do need to push, you know, branding. For sure. And it's, it might be less about like converting hires immediately. So, but lean on the vendors. Um, I hope that helped answer. But I also would just say like, once you start running campaigns, continue to A-B test and find out what performs best. And before you know it, you're going to have your own internal benchmarks for understanding performance and what's successful.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really really interesting answer because I absolutely agree. You see these two broad camps in in employer branding: one's focused more on the branding and the engagement and those sort of higher level metrics, and the other more focused on you know direct applicants, you know what that cost per hire is. And I completely agree. Great to get your insight, Zach. You've been so generous with your time. There are a couple of quick areas I want to go to because um, you touched on it earlier, and I think it's uh, a fascinating target. And I want to get your thoughts on it. You, you mentioned that you at Facebook have got some pretty ambitious diversity targets. Talk us through those targets and, and, you know, how are you thinking about building a more diverse hiring process? What are some of the things you're looking at? What were some of the things that you've seen work well for yourself in in all of your career, not just necessarily at Facebook? Yeah.
1: Great question. Diversity and hiring for diversity is, is a core pillar and focus for our, our team, especially on recruiting and, really every other team at Facebook. I mean, we know that to build products that serve the world, you absolutely have to have diversity of thought from all areas, individual contributors, all the way up to leadership. We have been making steady progress the past several years. We have a, we have a lot more to do, um, but we are we are looking to continue to attract and evaluate diverse talent and, and move the needle here. So there are lofty goals. I mentioned 50% diverse employee population by 2024. And you know, to attract that diverse talent, we've really had to bring this down to like a candidate first approach with diversity. We have to be mindful of the employee stories that we're pushing out, that they um, adequately represent all walks, all forms of, and all stories from folks that are working on these pro- projects and products here at Facebook. But if we think about it, I mean, underrepresented talent is top of mind in all of our channels. So, I mean this is everything from recruiting events and brand campaigns to our employee referrals, you know, program. Like what we're meeting candidates where they're at, we're putting a lot of care and understanding on what resonates with them to just ensure that they see that they have an opportunity here at Facebook, that they belong here, that they that they would experience a sense of belonging while working here because so many people don't. I mean, I've been on sales teams where they're mostly white male and male led and there's kind of this bro culture that can um have an impact and and it you start to look around and you're like all of the people sort of talk like them and look like them and um it's not inclusive it's it's not a sense so we're trying to you know kind of break that down i mean we focus on sharing stories of real employees and by addressing these issues of belonging that it's you know, example I just shared about, you know, inclusivity and, and career growth, you know, trying to hit those and address those head on. I mean, our employees and their stories are going to have those perspectives that other prospect candidates need to hear. So I would say, you know, those employee stories are, are definitely pinnacle to our employer brand here at Facebook. We're doing new things like series of events. One of them is called Amplified Unscripted, it's hosted by an underrepresented employee leader. Uh, and the themes are, you know, some really cool themes happening here. Uh, One of them is built for us by us. It's a story of like black and leading product innovation at Facebook and just putting featured leaders, including product team members on a screen, you know, on an event panel, sharing stories about their experience and how they've been able to overcome some of these issues of belonging and inclusivity um, that they've experienced. So the diverse slate approach at Facebook it's a recruiting philosophy that ensures we consider candidates from underrepresented backgrounds be- before even making a hiring decision so for example you know before a candidate comes on site if we're trying to fill a rec with one or two hires, our recruiting organization will aim to present at least one an underrepresented candidate at the onsite interview stage. So there's little things, they're quite big, they're quite meaningful that we can do to change you know, our hiring standards. And, and we make it not only a recruiting ask, but we're asking our hiring partners as well to hold themselves to, to this standard. So that diverse slate approach is really helping us just increase that representation I mean, we're particularly doing this now across tech and senior roles. Oh my gosh, I I could keep going. Like we provide employee manager d training. So we have, you know, we, we teach our populations how to manage bias. We make it mandatory for managers. We do like structured interviewing tips, how to, you know, make fair and equitable hiring decisions. So it's it comes really with, you know, that training piece. Those are some of the ways that, you know, we're working to attract diverse talent here at Facebook.
0: Yeah, I love that. And the, you know, I, I speak a lot about diversity and inclusion. And I think one of the things that I think more businesses could do a better job of is sharing those employee stories you talked about because they're the population that know the story the best, right? They've lived it firsthand at facebook and you know we still see companies struggling with ensuring that they've got a diverse interviewing panel right we literally had a candidate decline an offer through hacker job um, not too long ago because she didn't meet a single female engineer in the process she only met male engineers so i think people are becoming more and more conscious of this that you know it's it is something that you've got to take a proactive approach to and i love the employee stories i think it's um a brilliant, brilliant initiative. Is the Amplified Unscripted uh, series, is that purely internally or is that going to be externally facing as well?
1: That's external as well. Awesome. And you can see more about that on our career site. Um, we post some of those events under the uh, diversity section of
0: our career site. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we'll share a link to that in the the show notes as well. And we'll, we'll make sure um, that the listeners can go and Go and watch that. That sounds awesome, um, Zach. I'm, I'm conscious we're almost at time. You've been so generous. We're going to end where you know we couldn't do a podcast in 2020 if we don't mention COVID 19. So, just wanted to get your thoughts on how's how's COVID 19 going to change the world of hiring? And I, I know we were going to touch on on AI and and was going to try and talk through some smart matching. So maybe we'll bring that topic in as well. But yeah, just in your personal opinion, how do you see? I guess firstly the COVID 19 you know, pandemic changing the recruitment landscape, but also the rise of technologies um, like, you know, uh, what people are building with machine learning algorithms to, to impact the the future of recruitment.
1: Oh my gosh, totally great question and very unexpected for all of us. I think every company here is really just having to adapt our recruiting, hiring, onboarding processes all over the board. You know, this is recruiting, interviews, uh, our business partners. Um, the thing for us is we had to you know i think first and foremost we were looking to just be there for our employees and our candidates and you know meet them wherever they were i mean this pandemic just unfortunately hit so many small businesses and employees and families that you know first things first you look around it's like okay what's most important and it was just that our employees people but from you know the business side we we quickly had to shift you know thousands of interviews to a virtual format that was the one thing we all i mean we're all working remotely now right so it's having i think a, a bit of empathy for others who are interviewing remotely too um, so just showing care, flexibility. If someone needs to reschedule, it's not like, oh my gosh, the interview, this process is over. You know, it's just, it's showing that empathy and flexibility. So, I mean, for interviews, we, we move to video. So now we have someone to virtually greet all interviewees and, you know, answer any final questions about the process or help them, you know, work out technical kinks. We share advice from employees and videos about our culture. So it's just promoting more of the brand work that uh, my lovely team um, the team that I'm on creates. So if they're interviewing for a role in a certain market or an office, it's showing them content and uh, about the culture there in that office or or a different city. Doing things like you know virtual office tours. We had to shift our onboarding process. I mean, it's entirely virtual now. So I think that's one way that you know we were shifting. But if we look at the, uh, where the industry is shifting in general, I mean one big thing that i think we're all faced with is you know looking into remote work in april we did announce remote work at facebook a really exciting initiative we think it's going to enable us to expand and reach new candidate pools especially diverse candidate pools where we might not have been able to tap into talent in certain markets so you know, we're, we're beginning to post more remote technical roles, but I think that's going to be we're, you're going to see a lot more of that, uh, more of a long-term five-year to
0: 10-year plan of moving more folks to remote. Yeah. Amazing. And, uh, I entirely agree on the, um, on, on leveraging remote work to build a more diverse talent pool. I think that is going to be a, an amazing opportunity for employers coming through this crisis because, you know, you'll know better than most, but key to building a more diverse talent pool more candidates at the top of the funnel but if you're not bound by locations anymore and especially expensive locations like here in london where you are in san fran you know it's it's going to be an amazing opportunity zach thank you you so much uh, that was awesome and i think you know uh, we touched so much i love the employer branding model you've given the, the listeners that understanding planning execution measurement i think that's something that, that a lot of people are going to find very valuable on this call cool. before we wrap up is there anything else that you want to share anything that we didn't get to that you were eager to discuss
1: oh mark thank you for having me this has been very enjoyable and Uh, happy to be here. The only other thing I would just say is I'm excited to continue to watch just what's happening with you and your organization, how you're helping, you know, take out some of the kinks, um, some of the things we get hung up on of finding talent. Um, A lot of the work you're doing to pre-qualify the stuff that's coming out of Hack a Job is is quite interesting. So um, I'm excited to see where you guys go, helping teams be more efficient and uh, you know, in the middle of this very competitive uh, landscape for talent. I've just I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, Zach, you've been an amazing guest. So thank you so much for joining. The audience can find you probably best on LinkedIn. If if anyone wants to yeah. connect and ask any follow-up questions, Zach Blue on on LinkedIn. That's it. Fantastic. Well, we'll link that in the show notes as well. And as always, if you've got any questions about the podcast or you'd like to be a guest, you know, get in touch with us directly. We're all ears. We want to hear your feedback. And once again, Zach, thank you so much for joining the Tech Recruitment Show.
1: Thank you.